0: Good to be with everybody worshiping today as we are in a better country, part two. This is my idea of a better country right here. Uh, Above 500 Cleveland Browns team is my idea of a better country. (laughs) But hey, it's something to praise God for. The election's over. The election's over. We don't have to. We don't have to see. Any more yard signs? <laughs> we don't have to see any more commercials? We don't have to have any more questions of, well, who'd you vote for? Well, who are you voting for? Who are you vote for? Like, it's just, it's over. So why don't we just praise God in the comments? Just like, thank you, Jesus, that this is over. That we don't have to go through that anymore. Hey, one thing I want to say real quick, too, is... Um, now that like we've all cast our votes, uh, just the whole idea of like, well, how, how do we act now that the election's over? How should Christians, how should we respond to this? Um, it's actually very simple. How Christians should act in light of the election is how we should have acted before the election right? Like, like C.S. Lewis, I love it. He said, uh, he, Christian writer, Christian theologian, he said uh, uh, back in the 1950s um, during the, the uh, proliferation of nuclear arms, um, he was uh, answering questions that he was getting all the time about how should Christians respond to this nuclear age that we're now living in. And he said, we should respond to it the same way Christians did in every age. We, we're, we're, we're not supposed to be swayed by what's happening in the world, we're supposed to be steady. Uh, it says in Ephesians 4.14 how we are not supposed to be swayed from side to side like a ship at sea. Like we are supposed to be constant. We're supposed to be steady. So why don't you put that in the chat. Say, I'm steady. I'm steady. I'm going to be a rock. I'm not going to be swayed here and there. So how do we act in light of the election? The same way we always do. Following Jesus. That's it. That's how we should respond as Christians. So Last week, in part one of this series, if you were with us last week, uh, the main point that we really kind of hit on was this idea that we need to stop fixating on a candidate, right? We need to stop fixating on a candidate and start focusing on the king. We need to stop fixating on a candidate and start focusing on the king. We talked about the fact that our vote, it matters but it also doesn't (laughs) because if we're voting because we wanna see change in the world and we're wanting lasting positive change, well then your vote doesn't really matter because sin and suffering don't go away because of legislation. Like it just doesn't, right? Like we can vote for change and that's, that's great. Vote for the candidate and you voted for the candidate if you did vote uh, that you support and that's great and all, but if you voted because you wanted to see positive change in the world, it's not gonna come from legislation, right? Policy, policy all it can do is address symptoms. It just addresses symptoms. Policy can't actually address the real root causes and the root issue and Jesus said as much, Jesus said as much, John 18, 36, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And what he meant by that is that my kingdom, the kingdom that I am setting up is not run by the same rules as the kingdoms of this world. It's completely contradictory to everything that we see in place in kingdoms of this world. The the first is last. You wanna be great, you need to become the least. You wanna become a master, you need to become a servant. That's Jesus's kingdom and it's completely contradictory. It is not of this world world. It's not of this world. It's a different kingdom. And so if we follow the ways of the kingdoms of this world, we get the results of the kingdoms of this world, which, yikes, <laughs> right? Not, not too great. But if we follow the way of Jesus, we get something different. We get something better. And if we do that in our country, we will get a better country by following the way of Jesus. And we talked last week, and this is one of the things I love so much. This is from uh, Hebrews chapter 11, we talked about what it looks like uh, uh, whenever we do follow the way of Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 11, we kind of get this hall of faith, right? Where, where they, they talk about the heroes uh, of the faith and how these people were able to do amazing things for God. And we see how they were able to do amazing things. This is what it says. All these people were still living by faith when they died. These people being uh, these heroes of the faith. They were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Verse 14 says, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Verse 16, instead they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them. You see, the writer of Hebrews is saying the people who do the most for this world, the people who do the most for their country are precisely those who think about that country the most. The people who think about the kingdom of God first and foremost. So if we wanna make a difference, if we wanna make a difference, if we want to have a better country, it comes from thinking about the kingdom. It comes from following Jesus first and foremost. And one of the things I challenged us with last week is, is the fact that how you treat people and how you treated people this last week, how you serve people this last week, how you talk to people, how you value them, that matters more, and that goes farther to making our country a better country than any vote that you cast. It just does. The way that we personally treat people has more of an effect on our country than who we voted for. Jesus said, love each other as I have loved you. Love, not legislate. Love, not legislate. That is what is so important. That brings us to today. That brings us to today. So if you're taking notes at home, if you're taking notes, the sermon title for today is You, Not a View. (laughs) You, Not a View. So in relation to this, I want to tell you guys about uh, this this past summer. So just a few months ago in uh, August, we had a... um, Uh, a staff retreat, kind of like a staff getaway. Uh, We try to do two different like big staff events throughout the year. So we do, uh, uh, you know, we have one at the beginning of the year which is our staff advance where we kind of uh, have, you know, uh, uh, planning time and we go over strategy and things like that throughout the year. But then we try to have something over the summer that's just fun. It's just fun. There's no like point to it other than just to have a good time with each other, right? And so Rachel Carpenter, our executive director, was uh, looking up different places for us to try to get off-site to do something fun. And so she's looking online and she's looking at um, like affordable Ohio getaways. She's Googling for different locations and stuff like that. And so she finds this place in Sandusky, Ohio, uh, books it for us and is like, hey, everybody found this place. It was affordable and it looked pretty cool. So here you go, sends the address to everyone so we can all, you know, car pull up and stuff. I'm a person where as soon as I find out the address, I instantly want to see what's this place look like, <laughs> right? Like, I'm like, okay, what's this place look look like? Um, and so I go on Google Maps real quick uh, to try to see if I can find it. And I, I probably should have told our tech team beforehand, I don't know if you guys can see this, this is what it looked like. This is what the place looked like before, uh, whenever I looked it up online, you guys see that, right? You, you guys know. Um, that's it, like right there, this this like little room. And so whenever I see that, I'm like, um, like it's just, it's just this little dinky looking building, right? And I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> that'll be fun. Like that'll be, a, that'll be a good time. And whenever we pulled up to the place, actually uh, we had like different members on our staff, like Bruce Oberlin. <laughs> Bruce said he pulled up and he was looking at the building looking at his GPS, looking at the building, looking at his GPS, he's like, that can't be right. Like, this can't be where we're supposed to be. She was saying how cool this place is gonna be, how amazing, and it's just this, you know, little dinky building. There's, there's like construction going on next door and buzz saws and stuff. We're like, what is happening? And so we go into the place and we walk up the two flights of stairs. And as we get up there, we, we start looking around. This place is nuts. It's nuts. It's insane. It's got a, a basketball court inside. It's got a like movie theater. Whenever I'm talking movie theater, I don't mean like a home movie theater and like a big screen. No, like a screen that big. Like it's just, it's massive, like a massive screen. Um, it's got like a rooftop uh, a patio kind of with fire pits and stuff, a view of the lake and a view of uh, Cedar Point. It was just, it was like mind-blowing. And one of the things that we were all joking about there as we're looking at this place is like, who who saw this coming? (laughs) Like, that completely took away our perception of what this place was gonna be because we had an idea of what it was gonna look like. We had a view of what it was gonna be and it just completely knocked it out of the water. Because you see, our view of this place was not based on any facts. Our view was based on our experience of uh, being in previous locations like that like oh i've seen other buildings that look like that and i i know what it's probably going to look like uh, it was based off of our own information that we had at the time our view was based on our own uh, uh, thoughts right that's what our view was based on and that's what views are based on they're based on your previous experiences the information you have at the time uh, your different thoughts that you have and so what that means is a view can change since a view isn't a fact it can change, so let's get political for a second. Okay, views change all the time. Um, there's a, a person I follow on Twitter. Uh, they're an a opinion journalist for the Daily Beast, uh, that online website, and like somewhat, they had years ago, uh, like two years ago, posted about how uh, they had like an op-ed talking about guns and that they feel like, hey, just personally, I feel like guns have no place in our society. Like we just don't need any guns. Like if we've got police force and we've got new security systems and stuff, we just don't need guns anymore. Well, fast forward to today and uh, this journalist lives in a city that's experienced, not not just like protests, but like riots, like heavy riots and had the building next to them broken into and a building just down the road from them burned to the ground. And so that very same journalist said, I can't believe it. Here we are two years later from me publishing this op-ed. I'm a gun owner now. I'm a gun owner now. Like I purchased a handgun because I, I feel scared for myself. I feel scared for my life and stuff like this. it's just, it just opened my eyes to a different reality. Her views changed. Change because of her experiences, because of her thoughts, because of what's happened to her, right? Her views change, because that's what happens with views. They change. There are people out there who, who, whenever it comes to like marijuana and pot, for years they've thought, you know, the only people who smoke pot are degenerates and low-lifes and, you know, people who, who are like young and it's just, it's something that like teenagers do and it's not something that anyone who's successful in life would do or anything like that. And then that person finds out that like, their friend from college that is an adult now still occasionally smokes pot and their family seems to be doing good and like their marriage seems to be doing good and they seem to be doing good in their job and they're like, well, this is weird. (laughs) Like, I'm not saying I'm smoking pot, but like, I mean, that kind of blows my view away. I thought only degenerates. I thought only people who aren't successful in life. I thought only people who don't have kids who are younger would do this kind of stuff and it changes their view, right? Right? you have people who have a certain view about abortion that abortion is hey it not only is it great for a woman to have a choice but it's it's a good thing for her to be able to make that choice about her body and you know it's it's not a baby yet and then they'll get pregnant and they'll have a miscarriage around 12 13 14 weeks and suddenly the thing that they were so sure isn't a life yet and it's not really a baby yet suddenly they're having feelings in their heart and they're having remorse and sadness and going like, I, I can't believe the attachment I had to this. Maybe there was something more to it than what I've thought all this time. Views change. Views change. Views change. We ex- experience that in the church, right? We experience it in the church all the time. This book for years, this book right here, the Bible, for years, you know what this was used to, okay? Slavery. 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 Obviously, people taking verses out of context, but for years and years, decades and de- decades, centuries and centuries, pretty much up until about the 16, 17, 1800s, prominent Christian leaders would use scripture to say, hey, yeah, it probably shouldn't be this way, but it's the way the world is. It's the way the world is. Only a few Christian leaders throughout the years, like St. Augustine, would point out slavery as a sin up until about the 16, 17, 1800s then things changed. For years, decades, millennia, women were not allowed to be leaders in the church and then views changed. For years, we, back at the beginning of Christianity, the beginning of the church, the, the idea of the church being in governmental power was like, no, 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 we don't, we don't want anything to do with that. Now, churches are like fighting to have more influence in the government and we want more governmental power, right? Like, things change. Views change over time. Why am I spending so much time talking about this? I'm talking about this because this is an important thing and I I want you to declare this truth, okay? I want you to put this in the chat if you're willing to be bold with me on this, okay? I'm talking about views changing so much because this is something we all need to admit. Every single one of us, Republicans, Democrats, and independents alike. Because views change, with me, my view may not be true. My view may not be true. It just, it may not, because views change. Things change. My experiences change things. New information changes things for me. My view may not be true. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. (laughs) I'm not saying that facts aren't real. Facts are real. There is such a thing as objective truth. I'm not saying that there is no real truth out there and views can, no, no, no. There is real fact but here's the thing. There are also these things called feelings, and we attach our feelings to the facts that we see and experience all the time, and those lie to us. Those lie to us. So you may see something factual, but then your feelings start getting in it, and then it starts toying with you a little bit. It starts messing things up a little bit. It starts lying to us. So yes, facts are real, but so are feelings. Our feelings, they, they attach on to the facts and they change things. And this is how they change things. Let's look at some examples, okay? So here are uh, some things that I see a lot, uh, these statements. Democrats, all right? Democrats are baby killers. <laughs> they're hateful. Democrats, man, they're America haters. They are liars. Democrats are elitist. Oh, and did I mention they're baby killers? Did I mention that? They, they love Having babies killed. Democrats are all about that. Now, there's some of you who are at home watching this right now and you're shouting me down. You're like, amen. Like, I'm glad he finally said it. Someone's saying it. I'm glad that a pastor is finally standing up for the truth. And the reason you think that is because this right here, this is your conservative Republican Reagan Bush, Bush number two, and Trump loving view right? That's your view. That's your view. And so if this is your view, if this is your view, if this is the facts that you see, the the facts that have been affected by your feelings, this is the facts that you see, you look at people like this, you look at Democrats and you go, how can I love someone like this? Baby killers? You, You want me to love baby killers. Oh, okay, pastor. You want me to love people who hate our country, people who are liars, people who look down on everybody else? How can I love people like that? The other half of you, you're at home saying, Well, Republicans, phew, Republicans, they're racist. They're xenophobic. They're homophobic. They're greedy. They're selfish. Oh, and did I mention they're racist? Every single one of them. Even if they're a minority, they're racist. They're all race Republicans, that's, that's them. And the other half of you at home watching me right now, you're saying this is the most accurate thing that's ever been said at Cornerstone Church. Thank you for saying this, Pastor. I'm so glad that you're speaking the truth today. And the reason you feel that way is because this right here is your liberal, Democrat, Obama-loving, Biden-loving, Clinton-loving view. And if this is your view, if this is the facts as you see them, right? This is the facts that as you see them, you look at Republicans and go, "How in the world can I love people like that? How can I love people who are racist, who are xenophobic? How can I love people who are homophobic and greedy and selfish? No, I, I can't. How can I love people like that? You want to know?" Do you want to know how you love people like this and how Republicans, you can love Democrats? This is how you can love them, okay? Especially if you're, if you're a Christ follower. If you're not a Christian, you can kind of tune out for a moment, okay? Because this doesn't apply to you. But if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian Republican, you're a Christian Democrat, this is how you can love people like this if this is the facts as you see them. And Republicans, this is how you can love Democrats. Ready? While you... Yes, you watching me right now. While you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. That's how you can love people like this. Because Christ loved you. Even in the midst of your rejection of him, even in the midst of you not caring about him, even in the midst of you scoffing at his commands and having no time of day for him, even when you were living like there is no God, Jesus loved you so much, he died for you. He died for you. So you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to spot you this. I'm going to say, if you're a Democrat and this is what you believe about Republicans, I'm just going to say, I'll I'll spot you the fact that, yep, this is true. Every Republican in the world is racist. Every single one. There's not a single one that's not racist and, and homophobic and greedy and selfish. Not a single one. And on the other side, Republicans, I'll spot it to you that, yep, all Democrats are baby killers. You know, they're all elitists. They all hate our country. They're all liars. I'll spot you those things. I'll say that those are are facts. But guess what? That doesn't change one iota of Jesus' command to still love them with everything. To still love them. Because Jesus died for you. In the midst of your sin, Christ died for the ungodly. Nothing about this changes the command of our king. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing about it changes. So it brings up the question. And I want you to ask this of yourself. I want you to put this in the chat. And I want, as you're typing it, as you're typing it on your phone, I want you to honestly ask this to yourself, okay? Am I willing, am I willing to be a Jesus follower first and a Democrat, a Republican second? I know, I know what your knee-jerk reaction, well, of course. No, I'm talking about your actions, talking about your actions. Are you truly willing to be a Jesus follower first and a Democrat or Republican second? Now, look, I'm not saying that you can't have views. I'm not saying you can't have views and ideas and things that you think are better policy than not. I'm not saying that you can't do that. We all do. I do. I'm not trying to act like I'm, I'm oh, no, I have, I'm have. i so down the middle. Like, I, I see both sides. Like, I'm not trying to, I have my own policy ideas. I have my own things that I think are good and candidates I support. I'm, I voted, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I have my own views, too. So I'm not saying you can't have views, but what I'm saying is you cannot put people in front of, poli, or can't put politics in front of people. You just can't do it. You can't put politics in front of people anymore. We can't put legislation in front of loving others. We just cannot do it. It's not the way of Jesus. Because again, politics, legislation, policy, all of these things are views. They are temporary. They're temporary. They change. You can have a journalist say, we need to get rid of all guns, and then in two years saying, hey, I'm a gun owner now. (laughs) You have people saying pot is the worst thing in the world to saying, oh, well, actually I have friends who use it and I mean, they don't seem like they're crazy. (laughs) Like, views change, things change. You know what doesn't? People's value. People's value, that never changes. So your view may change, but the you's around you don't. Don't, they always matter, they never will not matter. Values change, people don't. So you know what that means? That means Jesus Jesus didn't die for the ability for a woman to choose. Jesus didn't die so that we have the right to bear arms. <laughs> but you know who Jesus did die for? He died for the woman who's had an abortion and he dies for the the NRA uh, uh, carrying uh, a gun member, right? Like he he died, for, he died for both of them. He didn't die for the rights. He didn't die for the policy. He died for the people. And so us, as his people, need to follow that example. So am I willing to be a Jesus follower first and a Democrat or Republican second? Am I willing to follow the way of Jesus? We talked about this last week. Let's look at these real quick. The way of Jesus, the way of King Jesus, it looks like this. It looks like personal, not public, right? It looks like grace and truth, not grace or truth. The way of Jesus looks like unity, not division, selflessness not self-centered restoration not cancellation that is what jesus's way looks like and let me tell you i just got to be honest this right here does not win a lot of friends it just doesn't especially in today's political landscape man leading up to the election it's the only bipartisan issue people want you to take a stand it's the only bipartisan issue that's out there. We don't agree on anything anymore. <laughs> like, we can't, we can't agree on anything anymore. But the one thing that both sides agree on, you have people on the right saying, pastor, you need to stand up. You need to stand up for something. Church, we need to stand. We need to pick a side. We need to stand. And you have people on the left saying, no, nah, you, you, you need to say where you're at. Silence is violence. If you're silent, you're complicit. It's the only thing both sides agree on. Take a stand, say where you're at. And the way of Jesus just doesn't go with that. It doesn't go with that. Jesus refuses to get political in the way we want him to get political. In the way we try to read scripture to make him seem political, Jesus doesn't play that game. And so this doesn't win friends when people are trying to force you to pick a side. It's not easy. And I mean, I'll just be vulnerable for a minute. Like I said, I, I, I have my own views I have my own thoughts. I have the own candidates that I support. I, you know, I have my own political beliefs and I'm just like you. I want to post about them. (laughs) Like I want to, I want to post about every now and then I'll be watching something on the news or I'll see a tweet or something like that. And I'm like, no, nope, nope. I put the phone down. I'm like, oh, I wanted I want to say something. I got such a good comeback on this. I got such a good thought on that. And I want to say something, but I don't. And Hear me, hear me, okay? I am not judging you if you post. I'm not. I'm talking about me and explaining myself as a lead pastor, okay? I'm, I'm explaining myself as lead pastor. I put the phone down and I don't post. And this is why, because my call as a pastor, as a pastor, again, not judging you, my call as a pastor will not allow me to do that. It won't allow me to do that. I have to put the phone down. I can't do it. It won't allow me to do it. And this is why, if if I post, and I post my views out there, you know what that can do? That can sever ties that I have with people. That can instantly take away any influence I have with certain groups of people who suddenly are like, oh no, well, I can't hear from him now. He thinks what? Oh, he's one of those pastors. Oh, this is one of those kind of churches. Oh, well, then I can shut him off and I don't have to listen to him anymore. It can sever ties. It can hurt influence. Uh, And not only that, it can stir division. (laughs) It can stir division. Suddenly you'll have half of a church going, ha ha, the pastor's on our side. He's one of us. He's one of us. And the other half of the church going, oh, he's one of them. Oh, he's on that side. Oh, this is what he thinks about this issue. This is what he thinks about this issue. I can't do it. I can't stir division. I can't have ties severed. I can't lose influence. And above all, above all, I don't wanna post my views on things. I don't wanna post my views on certain policy, on certain issues, because I don't want people to get the impression that my view is more important than you. I don't want anyone to get that impression that I feel like my view, this, this thing that I believe to be true is more important than you. It's more important than people who may happen to disagree with me. Again. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> post away. If you want to post, that is totally fine. In fact, I'm kind of jealous <laughs> because I want to be able to post sometimes. I kind of feel like, oh, I, that would be such a good point. I want to, but I don't. Because for me, being a lead pastor, being a pastor, I know that the call in my life, I can't do it. And if you do post, again, more power to you. But, this is a big but, is it being filtered through this. Is every post, is every thought, and not just posts. I don't want to feel like I'm just calling out people on social media. Is every discussion you're having being filtered through this? Is every debate you're having being filtered through this? Yes, is every post you're having being filtered through this? Because it needs to be. If you are a follower of Jesus, his way has got to be your filter, especially whenever we're talking about something as passionate and as divided as politics, And if I can say, again, sorry. (laughs) If I can say something just a little ouchy, just a little ouchy, please don't turn off the the feed, okay? Just stick with us through the end. Um, If you are unwilling to do this, like if the way of Jesus, if this isn't good with you, if you're like, no, no, no. I want people to take a public stand. I want them to publicly say where they stand on this issue and this issue and this issue. And no, we need to be all grace. Or no, we need to be all truth. And no, we need to know who stands where. I want to know where people stand. Like, if you're unwilling to do this, if you're unwilling to follow the way of Jesus, then Christian, you can keep calling Jesus Savior, but stop calling him Lord. Because if you're unwilling, unwilling to follow the way of Jesus, he's not your Lord. Stop calling him that. Stop calling him that. If he is your Lord, you understand. These are not suggestions. These are commands. These are commands from your king. These aren't, hey, if you get around to it, if you get around to it, try to do this. No, this is, this is a necessity. If we call him Lord, we do what he says. We do what he says. This is not an option. We prioritize. We follow Jesus' example. We follow his lead. And that means we prioritize a you over a view. It means we love a you over a view. It means we sacrifice for a you over a view. Are you following me? We, <laughs> that's the way of Jesus. That's the example of Jesus. That's what he has shown us. That's what we need to follow after. He is our king and he has given us our marching orders. In fact, you wanna, you wanna know how important this was to Jesus, all of these things, how important his way and how important making sure that there is unity and that we're not separating ourselves Within the church, my God, within the church, we are separating ourselves down partisan lines. You wanna know how important this was to Jesus? It's like Jesus knew this day was coming. It's almost like he was God and he was seeing this day coming because you wanna know what he said? You wanna know what he said? John 17, I don't know if you know this, Jesus prayed for you. Like, he, he prayed for you, and he prayed for you guys, and he prayed for you, and he, he prayed for me. Jesus actually prayed for us. This is what Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, starting in verse 20. Jesus says this, my prayer is not for them alone, them being his disciples. He, he had just previously been praying for his disciples. Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you guys and that's you guys that's me and that's that's you if you are a follower of Jesus Jesus literally prayed for you right here my prayer is also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one that all of them may be one father just as you are in me and i am in you may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me the witness of Jesus hinges on our unity. Think about that. And here we are condemning each other over candidates that come and go, views that constantly change. What in the world are we doing? What are we doing? This is, you wanna know how important this was to Jesus? You wanna know how important unity was to Jesus? This is John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. You wanna know what happens in the very next chapter, John 18? John 18. Jesus is arrested. The final prayer he prayed was for unity in his people. Think about that. Again, it's like he saw forward to where we are today and said, I know what is going to be so hard for them. It's going to be staying unified. Father, please let them stay unified. Notice what he didn't pray. Father, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that, man, they will just, they will agree on policy. and they will pass perfect legislation. That's my prayer. God, if there's one thing that matters, it's that they will agree with all of this one party's political platform, that they'll support the right candidates, Father. Please, because that's how the world will know they're on me, is if they support Republicans, if they support Democrats, if they vote this way on issue five, if they vote this way on Proposition seven. No, no, no. Jesus said, I pray that they may be one, that they may be one, unity. That is what Jesus prayed for. That's what he longed for. That's what he hoped for in his church, that we would have unity behind his victory over the cross, not our views, That we would have unity behind his victory, not our views. So you know what that means? That means we don't have to agree with each other. I'm not talking about some kumbaya. We all, oh, we all believe the exact same way and we all agree on every issue the same. I'm not saying that we all agree with each other because that's impossible. We're all different people. We're not supposed to agree with each other. But we are supposed to love each other. My goodness, we are supposed to love each other. We don't have to agree to have unity. Jesus has called us to love each other, to have unity in the way that we feel for each other. So Jesus, Jesus, he is the tie that binds. Jesus is the tie that binds, not your political party. And I wanna tell you this, if you are finding more in common and you feel more, more love and mutual admiration for a fellow Republican who's an atheist than you do with a Christian Democrat, man, there is something wrong. There, There is something wrong there. You have more in common with a Christian of the other party than someone who is in your party but is an unbeliever. You just do. And I feel like so many of us don't feel that way. <laughs> I feel like so many of us are like, no, 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 no. I'd feel more at home at a, at, a, you know, at a Trump rally or at a Biden rally. I'd feel more at home there than I would in my own church. Then something's wrong. Then something is wrong. Because we need to have unity within the church. Jesus is the tie that binds, so we don't have to agree with each other, but we do have to love each other, and this is what I 'll say. you know what 's crazy is as we start to love each other, as we start to really love each other and seek unity, something crazy happens, we might start to like each other. <gasps> right when we start to love each other when we search for unity within uh within the church even if we're on different sides politically we might actually start to like each other i love this is a quote from rufus miles he was in the administration of uh lyndon johnson and john f kennedy this is what he says where you stand depends on where you sit where you stand where your stances are politically where you stand on political issues where you stand on all these things well, it depends on where you sit. Depends on who you're hanging around. Uh, I used to, I used to hate country music, like hate it, <laughs> like hate it. <laughs> um, just never, just never liked it, right? Never liked it. Um, and then I started dating Jessica, my my wife, and suddenly I had this beautiful girl who loves country music, and I'm like. I'll give it a try. (laughs) I mean, I'll sure. Why not? (laughs) So whenever she's in the car, she's turning it to 94.9 or 99.5, and we're listening to country music. And I'm like, hey, that, you know, whatever. I'll just flip it back to you know, classic rock or whatever. Whenever she's out out of the car, Um, but then I started noticing something happened. The longer that we're dating, I wouldn't change the radio. Isn't that crazy? I wouldn't change the radio after she's gone. After she's out, I started to actually like it. Like, I actually started to like it. And I know, I, I probably right now in the comments, we have people like, no, I can't believe he likes it. I do. It's, but I gotta be honest, my playlist, like, if you look at my Apple Music playlist, that thing is bonkers. You'll get whiplash, because you'll go from, like, genre to genre and be like, is this the same dude's playlist? Like, because this is all over the place. Um, but I did, I, I started to like country music, and it's because I started hanging out with Jessica. Me and Jessica started dating. And this became true. Where you stand, where you stand on certain issues, it depends on where you sit. It depends on where you're having community, on the people you're hanging around. Suddenly, I go from being around people who also don't like country music to being around people who do like it. And that changed things for me. Because where you stand depends on where you sit. Now, I'm not saying that your views will change. I'm not saying that your policy will change. I'm not saying that where you stand politically will change by hanging out with people who disagree with you. I'm not saying your policy will change, but your posture will. The way you see other people, the posture you take into conversations with people who don't agree with you politically, that will change. That will change. You'll you'll stop seeing them as them, and you'll see them as Owen and Maddie. They'll have names, they'll be people then and they won't just be this, this nameless, faceless group that are xenophobic and racist and baby killers and liars. Suddenly they'll have names and faces and you'll go, okay, <laughs> maybe we don't completely agree, but that's a good person. Yeah, we, we don't totally agree, but I, I can see I can see how they got there and I don't think they're a bad person. I don't think they're any less of a Christian than I am. Where you stand depends on where you sit. So here we only got a few minutes left together. I just want to say this in closing. I want you to put this in the chat if you're agreeing to do this with me, okay? <laughs> this, is, this is something, and I, I said this last week. I'm going to say it again, too. I want you to know everything we've talked about today is stuff I struggle with, too. I am a human. I'm not this like robotic, oh no, I, I, I just, I'm, I see all sides. That's not me. I have my own views. I have to fight against this very same stuff too. Like I said, I, I wanna pick up the phone and fire off tweets and fire off posts all the time. I have to fight it. <laughs> like I'm right there with you. So I am making this commitment today. And if you're making it, I want you to put this in the chat. I want you to type this out. I will follow my king and I will never sacrifice a you on the altar of my view. I will follow my king, and I will never sacrifice a you on the altar of my view. I'll never sacrifice someone who is so precious, Jesus died for them on the altar of my view that very well could change by this time next year. I'm not gonna do it, I refuse. I will never sacrifice a you on the altar of my view. Pastor Brenda, I mean this is like years and years ago, whenever we were at our old building on Killian Road, she had numerous people ask her, hey, why don't, why don't we as a church ever put like those little white crosses that you know, churches will have out front um, you know, to like uh, in honor and remembrance of like all the aborted children over the years and millions of, uh, of babies that have been aborted. Why don't we ever do that as a church? Like why don't we ever put those out there um, to kind of, kind of show where we, where we stand, where, where we fall on things. And uh, Pastor Brenda, um, the way that she responded to it was essentially this. Was essentially, I, I don't want to sacrifice all the yous out there for my view. And, and, and hear me, Pastor Brenda's view on that, she's made it pretty clear. Like, she's made it pretty clear that, like, yes, she, she believes life starts at conception. Yes, yes, she believes what scripture says about uh, God puts us together inside our mother's womb, that he knows us from that very moment. And even with her believing that staunchly, she said, no. even though this is what my view is, I do not want to sacrifice a you for it. I don't want anyone to drive by our church and feel condemned or feel judged. I just, I don't wanna do it. I don't wanna do it. She wanted to follow the king and not sacrifice a you on the altar of a view. And Cornerstone, we're recommitting to that today. That's what this statement is. We are recommitting to this saying, you know what, no, no, no. We're not gonna let ourselves be divided We're not going to condemn each other. We're not going to convict each other. No, we're going to call each other to follow the king, to follow the king, to find unity, to find love, to find acceptance, and to follow Jesus. So if you want to know, if you want to know, where does Cornerstone stand? Where do they stand on this issue? Where do you stand on this issue? Where do you stand on here? Silence is violence. Tell tell us where you stand. If you want to know where we stand, we stand with the king. That's where we stand. That's where we stand, and I hope you join us. Let's pray, all right? Father God, this is a hard one. <laughs> Everything I've talked about today, I, I see time and time again where I'm like, man, I've, I've messed up there. Yep, I've messed up there too. Yeah, how many, how many yous have I sacrificed in the past over my view? God, no more, no more. Help us to follow the example of Jesus, who always put you before of you, Help us to follow that example to love people. It's not our job to condemn. It's not our job to convict. It's our job to call people to him, to call people to Jesus. So God, help us as a church to not be divisive. Help us as a church to not stir up any kind of division, any condemnation, Help us to be a unifier, God, in our community and in our church so that we can have a church full of Republicans, (laughs) full of Democrats, full of independents, all following the king, unified behind his example and his love for us. We want that, Father. Help us today and every day going forward so that we can be a part of this becoming a better country. We love you and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Man, thank you guys so, so much for joining us today. I I hope that you will connect with us. If you've made a commitment to Jesus today, if you've decided uh, to recommit your life to him, anything like that, we want to connect with you. Please, the host is about to post uh, a link to Journey starting point. You can connect with us on there. Again, we wanna let you know what your next uh, steps look like as you're following Jesus uh, and how you can get hooked up here at Cornerstone Church. So please, please do that also make sure you're back here next week we're going to be starting a brand new series called thank it to the bank talking about gratitude and why it is so vital that we live our lives through a heart that is grateful and thankful so be here for that invite family invite friends invite co-workers it's going to be an awesome time uh, as we head into that series but again man I'm so excited you were here today we're gonna to get ready to worship here again on our way out of service today so wherever you are why don't you go ahead and stand for worship and to receive the blessing of the Lord. All right. May Jesus Christ, our God and our King forever be with you this day and every day. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.